Kara. I'm one of the pastors on the team. And Sachin and I are so excited to be worshiping with you this morning. We know that no matter where you are, wherever you're watching from this morning, that these words we're about to sing are still true, that we want to start our morning, we want to start every day with worship, that we're still proclaiming that God is moving, He is working. And so in whatever situation you're in right now, let's just sing these words over that. Sing this over ourselves. Even when I can't see it. 
can't feel it. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop. We know even when we can't see it, you're working. Even when we can't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop. Even when I can't see it, you're working. Even when I can't feel it, you're working. Oh, in the soil I 
and I'm one of the elders here on the team. Wow, it's been a powerful time already in the service. And uh, as we were worshiping, I was even just listening to what the Holy Spirit was saying. What is he bringing new out of me? How is he using this season? I think it's a question for all of us. Well, I want to just share with you that last Easter Sunday, we actually had over 4,000 people participating in one of the services, either at 9, 20, or 11. I know that it's easy to feel isolated watching and participating in a service from your home, um, but know that you have a lot of people joining in at the same time. 
In fact, if you're uh, either on Facebook Live or you're on the live stream off Overlap's website, there are actually chat areas. So I'd encourage you just to um, share out where you're watching the service from, where you're participating from. So maybe it's Finn Hill or Kingsgate and Kirkland. Maybe it's Redmond Ridge or Bothell. Maybe you're actually even participating in the service from out of state. There might even be some who are participating internationally. So just go ahead sometime in the service and uh, share out where you're watching the service from. Also, I'm going to take a couple of minutes and point out to you three buttons that are on your screen. The first one is the connection card. This is so important for us to stay connected with one another on any given Sunday, let alone during this time. So fill out the uh, connection card and then fill out uh, ways in which we can be praying for you. So each week, the elders and the pastors, the leadership team, we receive all the prayer requests and praises as well. So I encourage you, please fill that out. Um, there's also the at-home resources button. And uh, you'll notice in there, there's a variety of tools. But one of the things I want to point you to this week is the grow groups that are starting in conjunction with the We Belong series that Pastor Neely will be kicking off in a few minutes. And the third button is giving. As you know, ministry continues to happen. You're doing ministry in your communities, and there's ministry still happening here on site. And for some insight into that, I encourage you to look at Pastor Josh's video about the safe parking ministry, and you'll find that online as well. So aside from ministries that are taking place locally, there's actually ministry happening around the world as a result of, of your consistent giving to the ministry fund. This morning, we're going to have a chance to hear from one of our partners in Chile, Jeff and Kathy Phillips. So for decades, Overlake has supported them through your giving. And in fact, many of you have probably been on a short-term team to serve alongside them and members of their team. The Phillips outreach uh, now extends to other countries in Latin America, as well as countries in Africa and the Middle East. In fact, recently they've become engaged with an unreached people group in West Africa. So watch now as Jeff blesses OCC and shares how people around the world are coming into the kingdom and there's still work ahead. Greetings, beloved Overlake Christian Church. What a joy just to share a few minutes with you. I think about the relationship of over 40 years of working together, of partnerships in, in so many different ways. This blessing of partnership just means the world to us. And we see that the next years that come and, and the next decade could even be more beautiful. The teams that have gone into Kurdistan, the teams that are preparing for other parts of Latin America, we are eternally, eternally grateful. And Chile is going through some crazy times as well. We have more than 8,000 people with the virus just now. This is our church. We uh, do online services uh, Easter weekend. This was our, our church gathering but hundreds and hundreds of people heard the message. And I think about what uh, the word says in, in Genesis 50, and I wanna say this for Overlake as well. What, what, what Joseph's brothers desired was evil for Joseph, but he said, but God has turned it into good. And this is what I'm claiming for Overlake Christian Church. This, this tremendous change in how we do, to, do church May it be transformed for good because God has a plan and he will not be stopped. And just permit me to pray for you. Father God, just thank you for the precious people of Overlake. We are in this together to see your kingdom established. And I, if there's any bad 
that was meant for your church, Father, turn it into good in the name of Yahweh, in the name of Jesus, and in the name of the Holy Spirit for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thank you so much for this partnership and what we have experienced together. Amen. Well, I am so thankful for Jeff and all our partners around the world and just so grateful for his prayers for us. And I want to encourage us to continue to pray for our partners around the, around the world as they are navigating a ministry that is already complicated and sometimes layered and now adding a global pandemic on top of that. So let's continue to pray for them. My name is Neely. I'm one of the pastors here at Overlake. And it's been so great over the last few weeks to have Pastor Eugene with us just to listen and learn from him. And, and the good news is he's going to be back in a couple weeks. We're so excited that he's going to be around more often just speaking with us and joining in on part of our teaching team. We're excited for that. Today we're starting a new series called We Belong. And I emailed a few of my favorite overlakers and I asked them, I, I don't actually have favorite overlakers, just some overlakers, um, and asked them, what does the word belong mean to them? And the first thing you need to know is our people are very smart, very wise and deep. And so um, I'm going to read some of theirs. And if you are near them, make sure you high five them because they are really good. Let's check out what they said. My first friend, Kristen, here, she said... I think it means that you matter, that your authentic, genuine self is valued. So great. Our next one from Maddie, who's just 11 years old. That's amazing. She says, being comfortable with being yourself. I love that. Okay. Um, Eric says, quality time and feeling wanted. That's good. Okay. Austin, to be invited and welcomed. That's amazing. Sammy says, knowing you are wanted and valued within a group of people. That's, that's, there's value and wanted. We're seeing similar words here. What else, what else do we have? Misty says, somewhere that I'm safe and valued, safe enough to be vulnerable, to be my most authentic self and accepted without judgment or shame. That's powerful. I love that. The Arnold family, they worked together, they collaborated, and they came up to be a part of something great to fit in and feel welcome and comfortable. Man, we're seeing similar words throughout these. Who else do we have? Dom, he says to feel like you can be yourself and to make others feel like they can be themselves around you. That's good. And final one, Gabe, to be accepted and to be loved by a group of people. See, I, our people are very smart. These, these are like, uh, what you can tell from these definitions that they gave us is that our people didn't cheat. They didn't look in a dictionary. You know, I love that. Because if they went to the dictionary, they'd find a very limited definition of what belonging is about ownership and possession. And that's not what we're talking about. And they're actually going to the heart of what belonging is, which is relationship and connection. And I was struck about how much it was about our relationship to ourselves and to others. And I think it makes sense right now in the midst of this social distancing, I think we are really aware of our need for others to be around others. And, and I think it's really beautiful, but I think it also indicates that there's some pain. I know that I feel like I'm experiencing pain. I miss being with my people. I miss being together. And I think a lot of us are in gr a grieving process. We're 
grieving that we cannot be connected and find our places of belonging with each other. And I just want to pause for that. I want to give space to admit that there is some pain in this. And and I want to say that I think Jesus is present in our pain, which is why we're going to start our series today on what I think is the pivotal point of understanding our belonging. And it's that we understand first that we belong to Jesus. And I would argue that all other belonging hinges on us understanding this truth. And what we're going to do throughout this series is we're going to hang out in one chapter in the book of Romans. Now, Romans was a letter written by Paul to the church in Rome. And scholars believe that uh, Paul took his time with this letter. He, he wrote a really theologically dense letter. And he did that because he knew the world would look to Rome. That we would look to Rome as, what, is, what does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean to be the church? And so he takes his time. I mean, he covers everything. Paul spares no time. I mean, he just goes into it. He explains the history and the way of salvation, starting creation, Israel, the law, Jesus, all of it. He covers it all. And so we're not going to tackle the whole book. That would not be possible in four weeks. I'm not sure it would be t- possible in four years. But So we're just going to hang out in one chapter, chapter 12. And today we're going to hang out in in chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. So let's read it. Let's read together from Romans 12. It says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And so here's what I want to do. I just want to unpack a few of those uh, phrases in there and just unpack them a little bit and help us see what, what Paul's saying. And the first one is the very first phrase he says. He says, and so. Now, other translations like the NIV or the ESV, they're going to say, therefore. And this statement, these two statements, and so, or therefore, they kind of indicate this reality that all that we've just learned is leading us somewhere. It's leading us to a conclusion or to an action. And so the first 11 chapters of Romans are about our belief, what we believe about creation, about the first Adam, about the history of Israel and the law, about Jesus, about how faith in him changes everything. Paul builds this theological understanding of faith for 11 chapters. And then Paul says, we're going to get practical now. This belief, this faith, it's going to impact our becoming. It's going to lead us to a conclusion, to an action. Therefore, Paul says, give yourself to God. Give yourself to him and experience transformation. And then what Paul does is through the next few chapters is he unpacks what does it mean to belong to Jesus, belong to church, to God, to one another, so what's happening in chapter 12 is like Paul is turning the corner, right? He's, he's going from like, here's all this history, here's all this belief. So what? So what does that mean for us? And in some ways, that's what we're doing here at Overlake. We've spent the past four weeks talking about what we believe, who God is, who Jesus is, the Holy Spirit, the church, what we believe. And now we're coming to this point, just like Paul, where we're saying, therefore, we belong, And here's what I find interesting about Paul, is even though he just spent 11 chapters, Paul says 
this. He drops in this one more line before he gets practical. He says, here's why we do this, because of all that he has done for you. It's amazing. Like Paul's like, I know I've already spent 11 chapters. I know I've already written massive amounts of pages. Can you imagine that this letter is handwritten? Like I think initially in my head, I kind of imagine Paul at like a typewriter. This is what you had to do on typewriters, but he didn't have a typewriter. He hand wrote this whole letter. He wrote all these words, the whole history of creation, the story of scripture, the life of Jesus, the story of Easter, the good news of Jesus that we belong. He wrote that. And he says, remember, the good news isn't that you figured out how to belong. Because look at the story of creation. It actually shows humanity's origin is in brokenness. And the story of Israel and the law shows humanity's inability to do it on our own. But the story of Jesus, what he's done, it shows that he's made a way for you and I to belong. Paul says, so before we get into the details, before I tell you what it means to opt in to belonging, which we'll do in a minute too, you need to hear one more time, one more quick reminder, it's not you. It's Jesus who makes it all possible for everybody, everywhere, every person. And I think Paul understood humans really well. Not just early church Christians, not first century Christians in Rome. I think he understood humanity. And he, would, he knew that you and I, we would have this moment. We'd have a moment of revelation where we realize the good news of Jesus. That we realize the love and salvation that he offers us. But then we would be inundated every day with messages that tell us we don't belong. And those messages would begin to force us to think different ways, challenge us to think different ways, to find ourselves believing something else. Henry Nouwen, uh, one of my favorite authors and theologians, he taught at Notre Dame, he taught at Yale and Harvard until he left that line of work to go live in community with those living with disabilities as their chaplain. He said it like this, I give all the power to the voices of the world and put myself in bondage because the world is filled with ifs. The world says, yes, I love you if you are good looking, intelligent, and wealthy. I love you if you have a good education, a good job, and good connections. I love you if you produce much, sell much, and buy much. There are endless ifs hidden in the world's love. Man, I feel that deeply. I, I, I resonate with that so much. We hear that message day in and day out. And here is what is so unfortunate. Sometimes we hear that message from the people and the places we should trust the most. Some of us, our greatest wounds are from places that should be trustworthy, that tell us we, that there's an if connected to their love. And the reason is because human relationships and love, they're just not perfect. I, I happen to think that our connections uh, with people and our relationships and our marriages and our friendships and our families, they actually can show us a little bit of what God's love is. But they are incomplete. And at times they contribute to this message that we're hearing day in and day out. And then what happens is the enemy comes and he starts to whisper. And he says, God is exactly like that. Surely you can't belong to Jesus on your own either. You're not good enough. And then he says, look, I, I, I even have evidence for this, why you don't belong. Look at all the bad stuff happening to you. 
surely you don't belong. And here's a side note about that lie is I think Jesus is perfect and he perfectly belongs to the father. And yet he experiences suffering and pain and death. And so that lie is uh, that something Jesus even said to his followers, you'll experience pain. You'll experience belonging to me doesn't mean you don't experience those things. But the enemy has a way of tricking us and convincing us that those things happening to us mean we don't belong. And because of those messages we hear all around us, I would offer that we need daily, maybe even hourly reminders that we can't do it on our own. And the good news is, because of Jesus, we don't have to. He's already done it. That's what Paul says. He's already done it. What Jesus has done, we belong. We don't have to try. The end. That's it. And Paul says, even though I've spent pages and pages explaining that to you, before I get to the practical stuff, I'm going to tell you one more time. It's about all that he has done for you. And then he says this, because of all that he has done for us, we should give your bodies, give our bodies. And here, Albert Barnes, a theologian from the 1800s, he said this. He said, Paul evidently meant here the same as to say, present yourselves your entire person. And the reason I love this quote from Albert Barnes in the 1800s is it, to me, it sounds very like Brene Brownish, right? Like entire person. It's not just about your physical body. But it is about your physical body. It's about your whole entire person. That's the invitation, is to give him all, to offer everything to him. Maybe this helps. The Hebrew word for belonging finds its root in the word to be or being. In fact, scripture says this, in him we move and live and have our being. All of us, our whole person, our entire being. And Paul is inviting us to live that scripture out, to offer ourselves completely to him. And when we do this, Paul says, we no longer belong to the world. We don't belong to their behaviors and their customs. Instead, we let God transform us into new persons by changing the way we think. Our relationship with and our identity in Jesus transforms who we are and how we think. Jesus said it like this in the Gospel of John chapter 15. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, and what what did Jesus say his commandments were? His commandments were to love God and love your neighbor. He says, when you obey these, you remain in my love just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. So here we have five verses. And in these five verses, Jesus says the word remain three times and the word love seven times. Remain, Um, you can find this word translated different ways. It could be dwell, abide in. But I think if you dig into them, what you're finding is the word belong. Belong, belong in my love. That's what Jesus is saying. Remain in my love, belong there. Exist, fully be in my love. And what happens when you do that? You'll be like me. 
my love and my joy, it will exist in and through you just as it does me. And that's what Paul's pointing to as well. The transformation he's pointing to in chapter 12 that he'll begin to unpack. But he says, look, you're going to be transformed and you're going to know God's will. It's good. It's perfect. It's pleasing. And I think it's interesting. This is, this is beautiful and it's, and it's challenging where God is the one transforming us. And he's transforming us because we're dwelling in him. We're belonging in him and we're becoming like him. And see, I recognize the tension with this because I think we find ourselves often believing that before we can belong, we have to have transformation. And uh, I remember this moment when I was pregnant with my firstborn. And we, my husband and I, Josh and I, we were looking for a brand new couch. And so we were out shopping. And I just wanted to tell you something that maybe you don't know, um, I want you to know, is that when you're pregnant, things are not right inside of you. The world is a little different. Uh, your brain doesn't function like it should, and your hormones just, you know, your emotions just come when they want. So that's just a little context. So we're in the furniture store looking for a couch, and we're trying to decide, and we're trying to decide, like, what's a good child-proof couch, right? Like, that can't be destroyed, and we're looking at this one we really like, and, and we're like, wow, this is an investment, but what if, our, what if, what if this baby ruins this couch? And I'm like, we get rid of the baby. That's what I say. As soon as the words come out of my mouth, I start bawling in the furniture store. I'm like, oh, why would I say that? Like, I love this baby. I would never, like, I love this baby so much. I haven't even met it, but this baby is our people. This is, I'm, I'm, Josh is, you know, he's, he's stuck with me through a lot, you know. But in this moment, like, do I want my son to ruin my couch? No. But this truth still remains that he, he, we belong to each other. He belongs to me. We, it's not tied to his actions. It's his identity. See, make no mistake. Belonging to Jesus will change you. When we allow ourselves to remain in his love, it will transform you. We won't be the same. That's a guarantee. You will be set free from striving and you will be invited to participate in God's kingdom work. And in our belovedness, we find belonging. And I want to say that again because I think that's an important place to stick. In our belovedness, we find belonging. And that belonging transforms us from the inside out. It's never the other way. We never behave our way into belonging. Jesus has already done the work. Here's what St. Clair of Assisi said about a love that transforms. We become what we love and who we love shapes what we become. If we love things, we become a thing. If we love nothing, we become nothing. Imitation is not a literal mimicking of Christ. Rather, it is a becoming. It means a becoming the image of the beloved an image disclosed through what transformation. We become more like Christ when we find our belovedness in him. So the invitation then is to belong, to give our whole person, our whole self to God, because Jesus made that possible. And that's going to lead us to transformation. And I love that Jesus said it's going to lead to joy, joy that, is, that overflows and Paul says it's going to lead to experiencing good and pleasing and perfect. 
that belonging in Christ's love, the transformation experience, though it may be painful, is going to be good. The alternative to believing that we belong, that we're beloved, is to buy the messages of the world and to, to listen to the screams that say you have to perform, you have to achieve, which leads to restlessness and leads to exhaustion. I love this quote from Henry Nouwen, and he said it this way, as long as we belong to this world, we will remain subjects to its competitive ways and expect to be rewarded for all the good we do. But when we belong to God, who loves us without conditions, we can live as he does. The great conversion called for by Jesus, the great conversion or transformation called for by Jesus is to move from belonging to the world to belonging to God. And it's good news. This belonging to Jesus isn't our work. We're not the ones doing it. We're the ones being And this is going to take some unlearning for a lot of us because we're so used to doing to get somewhere. We're so used to, like, give me the list of things to do. Even now, some of you are thinking, okay, I get it. I should remain. Give me the list of things to do so that I can remain. There is no list. And that's just it. It's to remain in God's love, to belong in God's love. Because I'm a nice person, I'm going to concede. I'm, I'm going to make a little concession. I'm going to invite you into a practice of being. Here's what I'd love for you to do. Sometime this next week, would you find a moment to contemplate the love of God for you? Just like sit down and be quiet and be still. And just every breath you breathe, let it be a reminder that God loves you unconditionally. That he's invited you into belonging. That you are his beloved. And would you rest in that belovedness? And when you rest in it, would you find belonging? That is your to-do list. Think about God's love for you. Rest in God's love for you. See, this isn't, a, this isn't just an invitation for someone who's never experienced God's love. In fact, I think it's even more so for those of us who have been following Jesus for a long time. Like the early Christians in Rome, we too need to be reminded that the work is already done. The doing is already done by somebody else, by Jesus. And that we just simply need to be, to belong, to remain And spoiler alert, it will change how we see others. It will change how we see our places. It will change our mission in the world. Because our belovedness is going to lead to belonging, which is going to lead to transformation, which is going to lead to how we belong to one another. So I want to invite you on a journey with us, the journey to belonging. And it starts with remaining in the love of Jesus. Let's pray. Jesus, we come with hearts filled with gratitude. It is you who's done the work. It's you who's made it all possible. It's nothing we do, God. That you have called us, beloved. That you've invited us to remain in your love, to belong in your love. And I pray for my friends who are watching in their homes or in their workplaces. 
I pray for them that right now, your presence, that your love would just overwhelm them, God. And that they would just rest in that. And they would just breathe it in. And instead of thinking about what they need to do, God, they would just be with you. And may that belonging lead us to transformation, God. May we become more like you. It is our heart's desire. Amen. Amen. Let's worship.
love is a firm foundation for us to build our lives in, to rest on. And that's my prayer for all of us is that we would, that we would remain, that we would rest in his love. And we're going to continue to sing. And and I want to invite you to stay with us as we do, because this moment of worship is an opportunity to remain, to continue to remain in Jesus. But before we do, I want to give you a couple announcements and then pray a blessing over you. The first is that this past week we started We Belong Groups, but that is, doesn't mean it's too late for you to join. We would love for you to join. There are ones happening every day. You can go online, you can click that at home resources and you can find groups near you. And so I wanna encourage you to do that. Also behind, uh, below are those buttons and those buttons are gonna lead you somewhere. We would love everyone to fill out a connection card. We wanna be praying for you. We wanna be walking with you in your journey. And so if you can let us know what's what we can do and how we can pray for you, we would love for you to take that moment to do that. And again, giving is so essential to what we're doing. And even in the absence of being in a building, we are still being the church in our community and with our people. And so that requires us to be giving faithfully. So I wanna encourage you to do that. 
Now, uh, another thing is I want to invite you to Wednesday. Wednesday, worship and prayer together. Uh, it's such a great time in the middle of the week in all the busyness to stop and remain in Jesus and remain in Jesus together. So I want to enjoy, invite you to join us for that on Wednesdays at 7. So here is a blessing. Let's pray this blessing together. May we live as beloved people belonging to Jesus transformed by our belonging, bearing the image of the one who created us and loved us. Amen. Amen. Let's worship. So it is well.